0: I love this team. I love the the fans, and the
1: opportunity to play on Lambeau Field has been a dream come true. To be in my 17th season is really special. I don't take that for granted. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: Thank God it's four o'clock and this show is starting. Thank God, because this was needed. Uh, Not only do I love hosting the show and sports talk is my job, but I love listening to sports talk. It's like my favorite thing to do for every two hours every day that I talk and I do this show, I probably listen to like four or five hours of other people just because I love it. Like I'm a fan of sports radio as much as I am a host. I like listening to other people, hearing different ideas and different callers and how other shows go about things, and I think that makes the show better. I, I love listening to Sports Radio. that's why I love doing this. Three o'clock today, I go out to move my car, because in downtown lacrosse, if you park your car in one spot for more than like 40 minutes, they put you in the put you in the stocks on Third Street. It's the whole thing. So I go out to my car at three o'clock and I heard a combined 40 seconds of CBS Sports Radio, probably. And I don't even know who it was today because Rome is on vacation somewhere in Wisconsin. I think he vacations in Eagle River or something. So it was a fill-in. And in those 40 seconds I heard, I was hearing Holocaust comparisons. And someone was talking about some Jewish Japanese person. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess this chucklehead is talking about vaccines, which is probably like the 37th or 38th most important topic in sports right now. So I'm, I'm glad we could get that off the airwaves starting right now. No fear. We're starting. This, this show is on. We're not going to be doing any of that today. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I hope you're just having a spectacular day so far. It's going to be another short show. We'll be done at 5.30 tonight. Brewers are playing at 6.10 once again in Pittsburgh. They're going for the sweep. Two really, really dominant wins the last two nights. And that puts us in a little bit of a time crunch. But as I've got myself organized and gone through all of our topics and everything I want to hit tonight, I think it's the perfect amount of time. We hit everything we need to hit and nothing we don't. It's like going to Fleet Farm. They don't have it. You don't need it. If we're not talking about it tonight, it doesn't matter. We can fit everything in in an hour and a half. Very excited. Going to do some Packers, some Brewers, some Bucks, and a very, very highly anticipated, at least anticipated for me, Conversation with Justin Garcia coming up at 435. Justin is like a member of the Bucks. He works in the organization, works on the broadcast team. He's down there during the games in the Deer District and in the locker room. Like, he is there. So if there's anyone who deserves to be congratulated for this championship, other than the players and everybody we've already talked about, it's Justin. So at 435, we're going to congratulate Justin. Job well done. Our friend Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network. You see him on Courtside Live. We're going to talk with him at 435 and just kind of continue to celebrate a little bit. The Bucks parade was a week ago today. So if we're celebrating trivial milestones, as we talked about yesterday, if you have been in a romantic relationship, it's like how we're celebrating our five-month anniversary. That's nice. Good for you guys. I don't remember what I was doing five months ago. And if I was in a relationship, I don't think I would be able to keep track of it month by month. But that's good for the people who do. We're going to keep track of trivial, minds to, uh, uh, trivial milestones with the Bucs. So a week ago, Tuesday was the championship. A week ago, today was the parade. So we got to start the show, as we're going to do at least for the rest of this week and maybe next with a statement of recognition. Before we begin the show, we recognize that our Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions, defeating the Phoenix Suns in six games, proving themselves the only Wisconsin team capable of advancing past the conference championship round. Giannis is the best athlete in the state, and the Bucks are a smart team building aggressively and performing well in clutch playoff moments and situations. While we may discuss other teams and athletes on this show, we do so while recognizing they all simply bow at the feet of Giannis, Chris Middleton, and the NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, let's start. Send me a text or give me a call, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Why don't we start with Aaron Rodgers? We can listen to some more of this press conference, right? No! God, no, come on! I will to start with the Brewers today. I've been so excited to talk about the Brewers really since last night. Because yesterday we talked all about Aaron Rodgers. And it was 27 odd minutes or so of a press conference. And it was maybe the most interesting, honest, and detailed press conference I've ever heard. But it was still a press conference. It's like, okay. The best frozen pizza you've ever had. It's, it's, it's pretty good. But it's still just a frozen pizza. That's how I feel about Aaron Rodgers' press conference yesterday. Yeah. It's great. Maybe the best press conference I've ever heard. Super interesting. But it was still a press conference. And I don't know about you. I, I'm not getting out of bed in the morning for press conferences. I want to talk about the Brewers. And let me in. Uh, I, I'm going to let you in, rather, on a little secret. L- lesser radio hosts, lesser than myself or Ebo or Bill Michaels, Dave Carney or D- Dan Casper, anyone across this fantastic Wisconsin Sports Zone radio network, lesser radio hosts hate this time of year. Because it's just baseball. And let me tell you, most radio hosts, they just, they crack under the pressure. They can't do it. Baseball every day. No football drama. No NBA. No nothing. It, it it makes a mockery of lesser radio hosts. I love this time of year. Because baseball's really fun to talk about day by day. But a lot of people just can't do it. Sad, right? It's very, very, very sad. And because this year, the NBA season went for an extra month and a half, we missed this period where it's baseball and nothing else. Which... The Bucks won a title. It was a blast to talk about. Now training camp has started. The Packers are fun. I love football. It's fun to talk about. But we missed this window where it's just baseball. And life moves a little slower that time of year. And we're not really in a rush. Day by day, we're just, ah, oh, they played last night. They won. They lost. Went to extras. There was a rain delay. Eh. Life moves a little bit slower in the dog days of summer when we only talk about baseball. And we miss that. Like All these opportunities, normally we'd have to talk about the Brewers. We kind of missed out. Now, the trade deadline coming up on Friday helps. The trade deadline is is great radio. Buy, sell, stand pat, embrace debate. We do that for days. Normally, we do it for weeks. I saw a lot of Brewers slander. Brewers trade deadline slander, especially from some of our friends in Madison. Not going to name names, but it was Ebo. I saw his tweet two days ago. Him and Ben are going back and forth. Ben Kenny, who produces Bill's show, uh, and is in Madison with Ebo. Talking about the trade deadline and potential candidates. And I have this Ebo tweet saved here, and I will read it word for word. A 30-year-old reliever with a sub-4 ERA. Stearns and the crew will then call it a day. Hashtag book it. Well, that turned out to be a lie. Not just a mid-level reliever. In fact, they haven't traded for a mid-level reliever. They have Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. Escobar. So that was false, Ebo. That was a fabrication. It was not some 30-something-year-old reliever with a sub-4 ERA. In fact, it's a really, really good player. Set to be a free agent at the end of this year, 32 years old. So far this season, Escobar has 22 homers, 65 RBIs, best OPS of his career at 778, and career-high rates in barrel and hard-hit rates. So he's hitting the ball harder with more power and making better contact than ever before. And he's a switch hitter who's especially great against lefties. And he can play all over the place. In fact, the only place he hasn't played is first base, which is, of course, what the Brewers need. This is the most Brewers move ever. Thinking third base primarily. Take some of those moments and spots away from Urias. Not because Urias has been bad, but because the Brewers have an opportunity to get better. You can play him at first base against lefties, which is something you're not going to get from Rowdy Telez or Vogelback when the time comes for him to maybe return. And you can use him sparingly to spell Adamus or Wong, because Wong's dealt with injuries, and Adamas plays every day. So between spot starts at third base, spot starts at first base, and an occasional day of rest that's needed for Adamas and Wong, Escobar's probably not going to play every day, but there'll be plenty of playing time for him. And the Brewers hardly overpaid for him. They're only going to pay $2.8 million for the remainder of his deal through 2021, and they gave up two prospects, neither of which are are really going to kill the Brewers moving forward. I don't think. Of course, we don't know that to be true. Cooper Hummel who is hitting really well in AAA, not striking out a lot, but there's really no power. And what are they going to do? Call him up to... I don't know. They they got so many bats. They're not going to call him up, so you might as well trade him away. And then Alberto Ciprian, who's really, really young. They just signed him aboard in 2019. He's more of a lottery ticket, which was the case with Freddie Peralta. But if you're trying to win a World Series and be a playoff team, you can't worry about two or three or four years down the line and the potential of a Freddie Peralta. At the expense of getting a guy like Eduardo Escobar. This deal is great to the point where David Gasper messaged me last night when this deal went through and said, oh my God, this is an amazing deal. They hardly gave up anything. And no one is obsessed with Brewers prospects like our friend David Gasper reviewing the Brew. He thinks they're all going to be all-stars and all-pro players and gold glovers and silver sluggers and, and win batting titles. Like that's how he feels about all the Brewers prospects. And even Gasper, Mr. Prospect himself, was like, nah, this is, this is, this is a good deal. They, they barely gave up anything. Now, even before the Brewers got Escobar, which was last night, and the Brewers actually put out their lineup card. I didn't look at it. I can't imagine he's in there, but let's check. Um, no, he is not. So tonight, Wong, Adamas, Garcia, Telez, Taylor, Kane, Urias, Pina, Peralta. Maybe available off the bench, but I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know the logistics of a trade and exactly when he'll first be available. But even before the Brewers got Escobar last night, their offense has been getting better and better and better slowly over the course of the summer. And I don't need to hit you with run totals or talk about averages or anything like that. You've seen it, right? If you're watching the Brewers every day or every other day, you know, their offense has slowly progressed over the course of the summer. I think if you best want to illustrate the way that their offense is improved, you want to use the stat weighted runs created plus, which is abbreviated with lowercase w and then the capital R, a capital C, and then a plus sign. And it sounds like some stupid convoluted stat and, Don't get me wrong. Baseball savant and baseball reference and some of these statistics drive me up a wall because I'm not mathematically smart enough to understand some of these. But basically, the stat accounts for runs created, also considering external factors like ballpark size. So you can compare players and offenses that play in different parks and even in different eras. I like to think about it as EPA per play in football. Expected points added per play. You can talk about points per game or yards per game which would be similar to talking about runs per game or hits per game. But EPA per play, expected points added per play, is more granular, it's more specific, and it really gets to the root of how productive and how effective an offense is. Very similar to the way weighted runs created plus does so in baseball. On May 31st, the Brewers had the second worst weighted runs created plus total in baseball. They were second to last. Since June 1st, they're 14th, which which I know like doesn't blow the doors off anyone. But this is a classic case of just be average that's good enough, which is what we've done with the Packers for years. It's like, just get an average defense. Aaron Rodgers and the offense will get you the rest of the way. With the Brewers, it's the inverse. Just get an average offense. The pitching is so good, they'll take you the rest of the way. Well, since June 1st, they've been better than average, slightly, in how they're creating runs. And that's, I mean, that dog's going to hunt. That's why they're 18 games over 500. That's why they're playing as well. and, And their high watermark is right now also helps to be playing the Pirates. The offense is getting better, slowly but surely, and I know we all credit Willie Adamas and the arrival and the trade for Willie Adamas, and don't get me wrong, he deserves a ton of credit for lots of different reasons. Reasons that we've talked about. But this offense and its improvement has been a slow trickle. It's been very slow. It's been a a climb. This didn't just happen overnight. No switch was flipped over one weekend series. This has been a slow trickle. You add a bat here... This guy gets healthy. This guy gets called up. Tyrone Taylor gets called up, and he's hitting the ball. And then they add Adamas. That makes a little bit of a difference. You add Rowdy Tellez. That makes a little bit of a difference. Lorenzo Cain gets healthy. Colton Wong gets healthy. It's these little tweaks, these incremental changes over a long period of time that's just improved this offense slowly but surely. Literally slowly but surely since June 1st when they've gone to Major League average in runs created or weighted runs created plus which factors in ballpark and and other external factors outside of the control of hitters and an offense. They're also hitting for power. They're 16th in Major League Baseball since June 1st with 61 homers. That's the most efficient way to score. And David Stern said as much last night. It's a big part of why they wanted to get Escobar, another player who can hit for power. To talk more about Escobar and how he helps this team and how he improves this team, because it's not like they traded for him and he immediately fills a position of dire need. It's not like they traded for Rizzo. They got their first baseman. It's not like they traded for their third baseman or for Trevor Story, right? The, the role is going to be a little bit amorphous and, and the way that he is used is going to probably vary from game to game. Craig Council explains how he makes this team better.
1: Playoff teams and good teams and tough teams and good offensive teams have tough choices in their lineups every night. And they have guys on the bench that you feel like, man, that guy should be in there. That, guy's, that guy is, is a tough, um, tough out. And so that, that's what you want. And I think when, when we looked at, you know, a team with Eduardo Escobar on it, that, that's what we started to see is that this is going to be, no matter what's kind of going on, we're going to be putting a tough lineup for the other team out there. And so it gives us a lot of choices to, to do that and how we do it. And his versatility will allow us to do that. A couple guys that are very versatile, and we feel like we use that to our advantage. Um, we have depth. Uh, we have injury protection, and those are all important things as, you know, as you get to a place where there's a deadline and it's you can't acquire any more players.
2: Okay, I, I'm listening to that, and we're going to get back to that in 15 seconds, but the Lakers and the Wizards are trading Russell Westbrook. Okay, I, I don't—I need 10 minutes to process that, but just so you know, I guess Russell Westbrook's going to the Lakers. Cool! That should be fun. I'm sure TV shows and radio shows won't spend any time talking about that at all. That's not interesting or controversial at all. Back to Craig Council. Talk about the playoffs on July 29th. And I love that. I love that. Love this team. Because there's no late season deadline. There's no waiver deadline. So this team right now is thinking, okay, what do we need come October? What do we need come postseason time? Yes, there are 60 games left. And there's seven games up over Cincinnati. There is a world in which since he gets hot, St. Louis gets hot. There is a world in which the Brewers do have to end up fighting for this division or someone makes a push, sure. But if I had to bet, and that's essentially David Stern's job, to make moves that match the most probable outcome, i bet the Brewers keep pulling away. They got a bunch of games against Pittsburgh in the second half of the year, and they're truly a punching bag. They have seven left against the Pirates, including one tonight. Seven against the Chicago Cubs, who traded another reliever today. Three against the Nationals, who traded Max Scherzer, which we'll talk about more later, and three against the Twins. And they only have three more games against the Reds, so it's not like the Reds have this opportunity to make up a ton of ground. They're planning for the postseason. Their mind is what comes next. They're looking down the road and thinking, we want as many good bats as possible. We want redundancy. In fact, that's exactly what David Stern said. One of the
0: things that we are trying to accomplish prior to the 30th is preparing ourselves for the unknown of what could happen over the next two months. We don't have the luxury anymore of of plugging holes in August. And so redundancy everywhere is really important, especially for a team that has aspirations of making the playoffs and and um, hopefully going deep into the playoffs. And so we, we've added a player that gives us a very high level of redundancy around the diamond. And I'm not sure there's another player available who, who can really give us that level um, of support at, at every position. Redundancy.
2: I love this team. I love how they go about their business. I love the strategy that they use. I love everything about this team. Every, everything about this team. And I want to continue to talk about this. And I guess Russell Westbrook's going to be a Lakers, so now I have to deal with that. That's going to be fun. Talk a little bit more about the Brewers and how their strategy differs from some of our other teams in the state. This is the Wisco Sports Show, after all. We'll also talk Bucks, Celebrate their title with Justin Garcia coming up at 435.
0: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. This is oh, this is this is too much. This is bananas. Russell Westbrook's going to be a Laker, and even more shocking. Javon Carter and Landry Shaman are changing teams too. The Suns and the Nets. Oh, I love the NBA. I just want to talk about the Brewers though. Can I get 25 minutes where no news breaks? Where Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a press conference. Can we just can we just do that? Please, God. Give me twenty five minutes. That's all I ask for. We're gonna talk Bucks with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network, Courtside Live. We're gonna congratulate him because he's a part of the team. He will probably deny that. Or maybe he won't. Maybe. Maybe I'll tell him congrats. He'll be like, you know what, Grant? Thank you. I bust my ass with this team. No one gives me any credit. So I guess, I don't know. I'm not going to guess how Justin will react when I tell him congrats on the title. We'll also talk Packers here a little bit from Brian Gudekins before the show wraps up at 5.30. But like, damn, the first time in like a week, I have 10 minutes I want to spend to talk about the Brewers and the NBA decides to just go off. Fine. Okay. We'll talk more about that maybe later on in the show when we have a little bit of free time. I think we should before 5.30. We'll see. We're just talking a little bit about the Brewers. Now, they traded for Eduardo Escobar, and they don't really have a dying need at any of those positions that Escobar plays. They're pretty good at third base with Urias. You know, Shaw's coming back. That could be an option. They love shortstop with Adamas, love second base with Colton Wong, and yeah, they could use a first baseman, but Eduardo Escobar's never played first base. They're going to try to play him there, but it's not like they traded for some first base ringer. So what's the point? Right, What was this all about? David Stern saying, well, we want redundancies, as many of them as possible, with quality players in important positions. Craig Council says, look, the best playoff teams, they make tough choices. They have options. And you look in the dugout, you're like, I can't believe that guy's not in the lineup. The Brewers want to be one of these teams. And maybe I'm being a jerk here, but I couldn't help listening to David Sterns without thinking of the Packers. And I'm sure if you listened to that press conference, you probably thought the same thing. I I always try to judge our team's and their accomplishments on their own merit. I don't like taking away from one team to lift up another. Like Super Bowl forty-five versus the Bucks winning the 2021 NBA Finals. I don't want to tear down one in order to compliment the other. Right? That's what I want to avoid. I want to judge all these teams and what they do on merit, individually. That being said, when I hear David Stearns talk about redundancies, he's basically saying depth. And God, what an idea that would have been for the Green Bay Packers last year. Imagine the redundancies the Packers could have used. Another wide receiver. Instead, you got Equinemius St. Brown dropping passes in the end zone. Could have used another cornerback. Kevin King was garbage. They didn't have another option. I think he was also a little bit banged up. Who cares? They still didn't have another option. We talked to Danny Heifetz a couple of months ago from The Ringer, and Danny was like, look, the real reason the Packers lost that game is because they didn't have depth behind Kevin King, they didn't have a redundancy. To be fair, they did have offensive line redundancies. They did have Rick Wagner. They did bring in Valdir, who then got COVID. Uh, they just didn't play very well. I think the Brewers are the smartest team in our state, and I don't think it's close at all. Now, the Brewers face the toughest challenge as a small market team in a league without a salary cap. And baseball, it's tough to get one amazing star and just ride them to a championship. Like the Angels have Mike Trout. It's never gotten them anywhere. Now they have Otani. Still not getting them anywhere. In basketball, you get one franchise-altering player like Giannis. It's a little bit different. That's not to say the Bucks are dumb. It is to say a little bit that the Packers are dumb. We talked about this yesterday. I think the Packers, over the last few years, have shown to be bad in two super important facets of business. And let's compare the Packers, the Bucks, and the Brewers. We're talking about handling your money and handling contracts and handling the salary cap. I don't think the Packers have done a good job. I think just through the Jordan Love pick. Right, I don't understand what their out was. Eric Eager yesterday told us when Aaron Rodgers first got to Green Bay, he was on a six-year deal for $7 million. You had a ton of team control. You didn't have to make a decision about him right away. A lot of cost certainty and contractual certainty with Aaron Rodgers. In today's NFL, you don't have that. You got to know if Jordan Love can play in year three because then you need to decide on year four and his eventual fifth-year option. The league has changed, and yet the Packers are like, well, you know, we want options, but that one option is going to sit on the bench, cost a ton of money. And we're going to need to decide about him right away. And then if we want to decide, well, then we have all this dead cap money with Aaron Rodgers. So the theory of having options is great, but we can't put it into practice. So a total flop on the business side and a total flop with people skills because they've managed to upset Devontae Adams, Zadarius Smith over his contract. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, who's the most important player in the franchise. I think the Packers have been a very dumb team for the last year or so. I think with the Bucks. They're okay. They're good enough with the contracts and with the business side. And I respect what they do because when they, when they stray and when they make a mistake, it's, it's errors of commission, not errors of omission, right? We've talked about this. They're overspending. If they're spending too much or too little, they're spending too much. Right? It's like, okay, we'll keep Pat in if we have to pay him. We'll pay Drew Holiday if that's what it takes to get a title. We'll give this contract to DJ Augustine or Delhi. They're bad contracts, but at least they're trying. And I can respect that a little bit. And they're pretty good at weaseling their way out of bad contracts that they signed. So the Bucs are, I think, okay at the money in the business. They're amazing with people skills. I think it speaks volumes to listen to Giannis talk after winning that title. And what did he keep saying? Well, the Bucs took a chance on me and my family, right? They drafted me and my family and brought us over here. The Bucs from day one were all over that. Taking care of their star and his family, whatever you want, whatever you need, we're there, we'll make it happen. Not exactly the story of the Packers with Aaron Rodgers well not not quite not exactly at all the Brewers I think are knocking it out of the park pun not intended in every regard I think they kill it with the money in the business side they recognize they needed to spend this year and they did right and I think they kill it with people skills I think the Brewers baseball acumen and their execution I think that speaks for itself you want to know why Omar Narvaez has a great time in Milwaukee because they helped him become a way better catcher you want to know why Colton Wong is having a good time in Milwaukee because it's a perfect place for him to play Everyone they bring in, everyone they call up, everyone they sign, everyone they trade for works. Everyone, because the Brewers have created a system that works for everyone, because they're smarter, and they know how to play smarter and be better than even bigger market teams with more money to spend, and that's why they've been so successful. So they don't have to kiss the rear end of certain players because the players that come to Milwaukee know I'm doing what's really smart for my career. I'm going to a place where I'm going to succeed because they've put this infrastructure into place. They have the management. They have the leadership and the coaching to make me the best version myself, which is something I want to talk more about before the end of the show in relation to the trade deadline because I think it's an interesting sales piece. The Brewers are trying to get people to come to Milwaukee. Look, you're going to succeed. We're the best place for you. That's what I think about the Brewers. I think everybody who comes to Milwaukee... Either plays and stays a long time or they leave feeling that way. What a great place to play, a great place to succeed. Let's take a break, get Justin Garcia on the horn, Bucks Radio Network. We will congratulate him and his team and reminisce about last week a little bit and talk about Giannis and just take it in. We're a week removed from the parade. It's the one week anniversary of the parade, so we'll celebrate. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills
0: on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, the sports calendar this summer, as we talked about to begin, kind of messed up with the NBA pushing into what would normally just be baseball time, and now we went from basketball right into football. Well, the NBA, this is nuts. So Russell Westbrook is on the Lakers now, as Shams reported, but Woj earlier reported that it was going to be Buddy Heald for To the Lakers and Woj being wrong, I can't say that I can't say that I don't like to see it because it is kind of funny. I don't know what to make of this, so maybe we'll react. Maybe we'll have time to talk about some of these deals. I do want to talk a little Packers, and right now we're going to talk a little Bucks with our friend and frequent contributor Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. Justin, when the Bucks won Game Six, I had a couple of friends who maybe aren't sports fans reach out to me, and they're like, "Hey, congrats, man!" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know if congrats is the right." Message like I love the sentiment. Thank you for reaching out, but you, sir, you were a part of this. You're part of the broadcast, the organization, everything at the Deer District. So I will start by telling you, congratulations, deservedly. Congrats, Justin.
0: Uh, I mean, it's a it's a very very small part, but I had <laughs> the same thing of people reaching out and hey, congratulations, and you don't really know uh, how am I supposed to react to this? Like, yeah, thank you. I worked for the team, <laughs> but I mean, it's the players that accomplished this, um, but it's still, I mean, we're, what has it been? Ten days since yeah. they won the title? Nine days? and it, I mean, it's it's still hard to believe, and all of last week just kind of bled together that it, it happened Tuesday night, and you got a good sense that it might happen on Tuesday. I, I think you and I may have talked about this, but yeah. I think the one thing in the back of every Bucks fan's mind going into game six was, this team just uh, this seems to be the part where they historically let you down, and they've played much better from behind than they have in the front mm-hmm. in this postseason. So going into game six, I wasn't really sure how to feel. Um, I was one of the few not to take a victory lap. Please. Everybody thought I was crazy some of the shows I was on, but even when they were down two games to none, I still felt like they were going to win this series. And I didn't necessarily think it would be four straight, but – I still felt that they were in a good spot because they were getting better from game to game, and what we saw in the previous three series was this team just got better as series went on. So wasn't great, and you don't want to always be coming back from a two-to-nothing deficit, but when they were down two games to none, to me it felt a lot different than it did against the Nets because in yeah. that series, that was the one where I think you could question is this team as good as we think? That, that was Those were the two games where it felt like – they had been outmatched, and it didn't feel like that against the Suns. It felt like two four-minute stretches that decided games one and two. Yeah, well, in the Suns, if you look at shot quality and,
2: like, the Bucks, probably should have won at least one of those two games and then coming from behind. My feeling going into game six, the basketball fan, the general basketball fan and, and the show host in me— Believed that if the Bucs were gonna win, their best chance to do it was to win those two at home and then keep that momentum going and just win four in a row, like Toronto did. Like for all of all of those reasons, like I thought the Bucs should win, but then there's the Bucks fan half of me that's like, well, it's still the Bucs. So I was very I was I was a mess on Tuesday. I was nervous. I did a hit in the morning and they were asking me in Madison on our station. They're like, Are you good, man? I'm like, no, I'm a nervous wreck. But I was amazing that it worked out perfectly and it was in Milwaukee and everyone was in the Deer District. It was a cool culmination of really eight or nine years of work. And, like, I got into the Bucks hardcore about five or six years ago, right before I came to college. And we went, during college, we went to the Bradley Center games in the playoffs for, like, 40 bucks. and the Jason Kidd and the Joe Prunty teams. Yep. And we always hoped. Like, we thought, okay, well, if everything goes perfectly and all these players reach their ceiling, they could win a title. I don't know if I ever would have bet on it. Was there a moment for you over the last couple of years where you had a realization where you're like, whoa, okay, they could actually do this one day where you saw something or, or someone did something where you're like, wait, wait a minute. This could happen down the road. Do you remember having that moment or that realization?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I, I we've talked about it before. I grew up in the area, and basketball has always been my first love for sports. So uh, when I was a kid, my two favorite teams were the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns because I loved Charles Barkley. Yeah. So yeah. To have this series, you know, what, 30 years later it was certainly bizarre. But I think we all got that feeling in 2019 where you saw, holy cow, you know, going into that year, nobody was talking about the Bucks to win the East or to be a, even a top two or three seed. The hope was, all right, now with a new coach and some minor tinkering to the roster, you know, maybe this team, they should have home court advantage in the first round series that you were setting your sights on. Maybe we could get a three seed, but four seed would be great, and then we can finally win in the first round for the first time in 20 years. And the way that season went, and as you saw the team start to get better and better and surpass all of our expectations, what they did to the Celtics after losing game one of that series by 20, I think it was the bucks and it might have been the 74 Lakers that were the only two teams in NBA history, to lose game one Mm -hmm. by 20 or more points and then win the next four games of the series. When stuff like that started to happen, you started to feel like, man, Giannis is special, this team is good, maybe they can win a championship here. And then when they lost four straight to the Raptors, your confidence took a hit. Last year, I don't think anybody had the confidence coming into the playoffs this year after what happened last year. So it, it was like you started to reach this level of, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it is possible to win a championship in the NBA in Milwaukee. And then I think last year kind of deflated the balloon for most of us. But you know, I I talked about this on, on one of the, the shows I was on. I think it was with Kane Pittman on the the Lockdown Podcast. Yeah, it just shows you how important failure is. That as much as we don't want to go through it. The Bucks' journey these three years shows you how important it is to fail, and you have to learn from your failures, because if they don't fall short... If
2: oh, did we lose Justin?
0: Oh, But Toronto had beat. Maybe they beat the Warriors, and they win a title. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happens going forward, because you're probably staying with the same model, and maybe it's...
2: At least I'm picking up what he's saying. I get where he's going with this. Lost him for a sec. Hopefully he'll come back. It's a bad radio. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the call just dropped. Shoot. I'll try to call him back here in a sec. He's not wrong, though. And I'm I'm sure you could pick out what he was trying to say there, right? If they ended up winning the title two years ago, maybe in a weird way, it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing in the moment because they won a title. But who knows what would have happened the next year and the next year and the next year, right? Like, I get where he's coming from with that for sure. I'm going to call him back here. See if we can't get him on the phone. He's going up to the UP this weekend, so I bet he's en route. Yeah, that's funny. Justin, I think we lost you for a sec. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: System two, six, two,
2: well, three, great. Nine. He's going off the grid. <laughs> he's like, Grant, I'll talk to you. Uh, but I'm going up to the UP, and once I get there, I'm dropping out, and I ain't coming back. It's been working hard for months and months and months on Bucks broadcasts, and then to finally have it all culminate last week and to win a title. I imagine he's exhausted. That's how I felt at the end of the season. I don't even work for the team. I'll try him one more time here and see if we can't get through And If we can't, we can keep going without him. It was cool to hear that story, and, and I'm glad we got that out of him. If that's all we get from Justin today, I guess I'll understand. Let's try one more time. Justin, you cut out for a sec. Are you there? Six,
0: two, three,
2: nine. He's off the grid, folks. He's in the UP now. I'm going to message him and be like, dude, enjoy your vacation. Don't even worry about it. We lost you. Don't even worry about it. Enjoy your vacation. Service must be bad. See, if I had a producer, they could do this. But I handle all things personally. That's the personal touch. Oh, he's calling back. Justin, we lost you for a sec. I got what you were saying about possibly winning the finals two years ago and how that's a bad thing in the in the long term. And then that's when we lost you. Are you back? Can you hear me okay? Uh, I can't. Can
0: you oh, you fantastic.
2: Yes, loud and clear.
0: All right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's when I first got the idea. But what I was, I was saying to myself was, this run also showed me the importance of failure. Yeah. And as as much as, you know, we don't want to have to experience losing and failure, it showed you how important it is. And, you know, I think back to two years ago when everybody seemingly came out of the woodwork to tell you, yeah, it's great, but they're not going to win a title because this isn't how it works. You don't go to the playoffs and go on your first run and win a championship. And to me, this gave you context as to why that. Yes. It can be done, but it's, it's extremely rare because you have to learn from those failures and you just have to experience the playoffs. I think that's what we saw with teams like the Hawks and even the Suns was they hadn't been there before. And the Phoenix wants to hide that series of two games apiece. That's a spot they had never been in all mm-hmm. season. So you don't know how teams are going to respond. But and also the failure part, I mean, they don't do things differently on offense. They don't tinker with the dunker spot. They don't tinker with personnel. We don't see Bud go away from the drop defense and playing his starters heavy minutes if they're more successful through those first two runs. And these were all things that we learned were very necessary, and I don't think we get to see those if the Bucks don't fall short two years in a row.
2: Well, failure is important, and it made Coach Bud better. I think it made Chris Middleton better, too. I think everyone improved, and it's also right, the summer after the Michael Jordan thing came out, right, that's the progression we want to see from Stars. Fail, fail, take it personally, get better, work harder, and then eventually break through. And, yes, this is satisfying as a Bucks fan, but as a basketball fan, I think this is an enjoyable outcome, too, because you got to see a team that failed and came back and tried it again. They didn't break it up. They kept going, and they eventually accomplished their goal, which is pretty cool. We're talking with Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. The last thing I want to ask you we are talking about the Packers and their people skills quite a bit the last couple of days with Aaron Rodgers and the way they do or don't communicate with their players. The Bucks at times, haven't been the best team fiscally, but what blew me away after Game 6, listening to Giannis talk about how the Bucks took a chance on my family, right? They, like, they drafted my entire family, not just me, right? When he remembers getting drafted, it's a family ordeal for him, and that is, I'm assuming, a product of the way the Bucs handled things can you speak to that dynamic and how important it was for the Bucks to treat Giannis and his family that way when they got here? Because it obviously left an impact all these years later.
0: Yeah, and he, he, I mean, still has some incredible relationships within the organization, but I think a lot of the credit has to go to John Hammond, and I mean, he's the one that drafted him. He's the one that really believed in Giannis, not to say that nobody else did, but I mean, you you even listen to Giannis and he thanked John Hammond himself after winning the championship. Mm-hmm. But Giannis still has that connection to John Hammond. And a lot of it was because, you know, John Hammond and a lot of the members of that organization at the time, they, I guess you would say, had Giannis's best interests in mind. But they were basically like father figures to him and brothers. And that Giannis was plucked out of Greece, His family couldn't come with him just because of the way the uh, visa situation was. So he was here alone. He didn't know anything about American culture or how to take care of himself, and we all know the stories. And Marin Fader has some great stories in her book that's coming out in two weeks, too, uh, about Giannis's upbringing in America. And, you know, everybody's heard the story of him running through the streets in a windbreaker during yeah. winter, and a buck-season ticket holder spotting him and giving him a ride. But John Hammond would go to his apartment and hotel that he was in and basically show him, okay, Giannis, this is how you prepare this food. This is how you wash your clothes. Let me talk to you at least so you're not there alone because your family isn't here. And there's stories in that book, too, of Giannis asking Buck's staffers, hey, can can you just spend the night with me and hang out with me so I'm not alone? That, mm-hmm. you know, the work that the organization did to make him feel comfortable Senator Cole played a big role in getting his family over here and helping out as well, um, that this organization embraced him. And, you know, I think that was why there was a lot of confidence heading into the offseason that he was going to resign here and remain in Milwaukee because this is the only home he's known in America. And Giannis isn't a glitzy guy that he, he's not an L.A. or New York guy. That this is fine for him, and this is an area that's embraced his family Talked about how much his mother loves it here in Wisconsin. That's obviously very important to him. And, and his brother having graduated high school here. So Milwaukee embraced him just as much as he has embraced Milwaukee. And I think that's why we've seen this as such a perfect match. But you know, Giannis would be the first to point out that a lot of his credit should go to John Hammond for not only drafting him, but for looking out for Giannis as the person his first few years here in, in America.
2: That's so cool. That, that stories exist like that in sports. And I, I say all the time, I don't understand how there are people that aren't into sports because you don't get stories like that anywhere else. You can't write something like that. In the Mirror and Fader book, I'm very interested. I'm hoping I can get in an audio book because I got a long road trip I'm taking in the middle of August. So I'm hoping I can kill a couple of hours listening to that. Justin, I appreciate you joining us throughout the season. I can imagine that you're feeling like you can finally relax and exhale after months and months and months of this, basically two years in a row, and I know you're going on a trip this weekend, but I appreciate you. Do you have plans in the UP, or are you just going to sit in the peace and quiet and not let anyone bother you? Because that sounds wonderful, too. <laughs>
0: it, it's probably going to be the latter, and uh, it feels like the season isn't even over because yeah. the draft is tonight, and the Bucs essentially have a first-round pick, and I think it's going to be two weeks from now that we know the schedule. So I can't imagine Chris and Drew going through flying to Tokyo, playing in the Olympics, and having no offseason. But look, this is, You know, you talk about not understanding people that aren't into sports. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the reason you can't understand it is because 95% of the time, it's not worth it. It's not fun. But what we saw last Tuesday was that 5% and it made it all worthwhile.
2: Oh, that's so true. Oh, I appreciate you, Justin. Enjoy your trip this weekend and, and thanks for everything you did for the show this season. I can't wait till next year.
0: Anytime. We'll talk to you later.
2: Take care, Justin. And when I say next year, that's like three months from now. I can't wait either. What's wrong with me? I'm so excited for the NBA to start. A couple of months ago, I was like, I need a break. We've been doing this for two straight years with the bubble. And now Bucks won the title. And I'm like, let's go. Let's let's do it again. Whether the Bucs are going to win a title or not, I, just, I need the NBA on. I need games to watch. I don't have enough interesting things going on in my life to have all this free time. I need the games back. I can't wait. The draft is tonight. Maybe we'll find time to touch on that briefly before the end of the show. We only have until 5.30. Let's take a break. It looks like Max Scherzer might be getting traded. He was linked to the Brewers a little bit, but probably not. We'll talk about that next and then get into the Packers at 5 o'clock. Wisco Sports Show, back after
0: this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Huge thank you to Justin Garcia, not just for today, but anytime this season. I'm like, hey, Justin, can you come on? Talk about this game, talk about the Bucks, talk about this trade. Anytime. He's super gracious, super willing, and I appreciate the heck out of that man. Follow him on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Follow me when you're done following Justin. The talking text line: 608-796-2558. Herman. Says you are a savior, Grant. Yeah, CBS Sports Radio was on some kind of ish this afternoon. I don't know what they were talking about. Some Holocaust vaccine comparison. Yeah, we ain't we ain't going there. Robin Stoddard says, People are telling me that I should be hyped for football season, but I reply with why. It's baseball season and the brewers are almost twenty games over five hundred. You tell your friends, Rob, that football will come when it comes. The Brewers are really good. I'm glad we carved out a little bit of time to talk about the Brewers today. Joe says, do you think the Brewers need another arm uh, before the trade deadline? I think they go for it this year. Yeah, I bet they'll get a reliever. They, they always do. Relievers at the trade deadline, like every bad team's trying to get rid of one. Every good team's trying to get one. Even if it's like a Joaquin Soria type, they'll get somebody. Mad Mike says, I want Scherzer. I, I don't know if we're going to get Scherzer. I, I don't, I, I well, actually, I'm pretty sure they're not going to. Today, it was reported that the Padres basically have him. They're working through the details. The thing is, Scherzer has no trade clause, so he can essentially veto any trade that he doesn't want. So does he want to play for the Padres? Would he rather play for the Dodgers? Would he rather play? And is he that adamant about where he wants to play that he would actually veto trades to other locations? I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm If the Padres trade for Max Scherzer, I think it's an incredible act of cowardice. Like, make an NLCS with Yoli Shasin as your ace. Bunch of cowards. Like, come on. You don't need Max Scherzer, too. I, I think this deal, if the Padres trade for Scherzer, let's assume that it goes through. I think it signifies a few things. Number one, the Padres are all in. Thank you. I worked very hard on that take. A lot of research went into to that conclusion. And my Brewers-centric take, and I think this is, this is important. This goes to show how highly I think of the Brewers right now. Teams know that they can't simply match the Brewers talent-wise. A level playing field against the Brewers is not level, right? If you're even with the Brewers, you're behind the Brewers. To beat Milwaukee four out of seven times in the postseason, I think you do truly have to stack the deck, and the Padres are doing their best to do so. I also think that if Max Scherzer was really interested in going where he's best for his career and where he can greatly succeed and maximize what he's got and try to win a title, Milwaukee's the place. In fact, I would say that about any player in baseball because anybody the Brewers trade for or call up from the minors or or acquiring free agency, they all get better. Oh, the Brewers call it this guy. Oh, he's hitting 500. Great. Oh, they trade for Rowdy Telez. Well, he's hitting bombs naturally. Oh, they signed Colton Wong in the offseason. Oh, he fits perfectly. Of course he does. Any player could greatly benefit from coming to Milwaukee because they know what the heck they're doing. They're smart, they understand how this works. General manager and manager in lockstep, and the manager is probably the best one. In baseball, I think he's right up there with Alex Cora. He's in the AL, so we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to worry about that debate, embrace debate, Alex Cora versus Craig Council. Maybe next off season. maybe next year during the uh, the All Star break, we can do that topic. That sounds fun. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the Packers, and then we'll wrap up with Brewers right before five o'clock, five thirty. When we turn it over to the Brewers Radio Network, don't go anywhere. Packers talk. This is sexy, salacious stuff coming up. Don't miss it.